coming up on this week's episode, we begin by defining various types of soups and debating their merits. Then we get into this week's tech news, including the creepy company that stole your profile, the creepy company with the out-of-control robot cars, and the creepy company that launched secret satellites into orbit. It's all coming up right now. This is Don't Panic, episode number 196, recorded March 19th, 2018, Blackberry's Revenge. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Don't Panic, the technology podcast on gadgets, the internet, and you. I'm Sean Jennings, joined, as always, by two rude dudes with attitude. It is Colby Rabindu and Dan Miller. Cowabunga, gentlemen. Good, good, good. I, I do have a lot of attitude. I, I, I'm kind of doing like maybe a little Ninja Turtles, you know? Sure, inspired. Yeah, may, maybe we'll throw a little Bart Simpson eat my shorts. I'm not quite sure. We're going for that <laughs> ninety, that sort of '90s extreme, you know, like PG attitude. <laughs> extreme PG. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, you know, like parent appropriate, but still edgy. Yeah, that 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 describes the show pretty well. <laughs> Yes. I, I feel like it's been a million years since we did this show. How long has it been? Like two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. But Colby was really? like only for half that episode because that was the week he was in That's New right. York. Oh, so it was God. a weird one. And then we didn't had, do it the I week before I had an action packed three weeks. It's been crazy. For, Colby, you uh, yeah. experienced the Boston St. Uh, Patrick's Day Parade? Yep, so, I experienced that. it. And you so lived? So fun story. Um, this week, this weekend, we, I, I, I briefly told you guys this, but like this weekend we were, I was, I was planning, planning on going to the St. Patrick's Day Parade with some friends on Saturday and, uh, Saturday came around and I was looking, looking to, 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 to find out what time the parade was. And I read, I, I read out to the people I was with, like, the parade I, off the website, it said Sunday, March 18th at 1 p.m. is the St. Patrick's Day Parade. And and the person I was reading it to was like, Sunday? You mean Saturday, right? Uh, and it wasn't. It wasn't Saturday. It was Sunday. So I did go to the parade. It was it was just a different day than I thought it was going to be. Uh, it was cool. It was a pretty big parade. There were lots of people in green. Um, How many drunk people? What's, and what was the time of day? You know, it was like in the afternoon um, at like one o'clock. I feel like there were less drunk people than there would have been if it was on Saturday. However, like in the tea on the way there, the car in front of us was like filled with drunk college students and they were like jumping up and down and like chanting. I think they might have broke the tea. <laughs> it doesn't take much to do it. The whole tea. Yeah. Yeah. It, they were in like the first car, too. It was very scary. Um, but in any case, I made it through. I survived. Congrats. Awesome. Yeah. I didn't do anything for St. Patrick's Day. I didn't even know it was St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> oh, man. You know. Now, now are you... Uh... Jennings strikes me as a, I don't know, an English name. Is that correct? Is it's it semi-Irish. It's Irish-ish. It's Irish-adjacent, I would say. Irish-adjacent, I see. Yeah, Sean is intended to be Irish. That's why the name sure. was chosen, yes. I see. In, in, wow, okay, intended. Yes, loosely, like, this, loosely this intended. This kid, he's got to be Irish. For sure, yes. That was uh, my the, the little bit of Irish comes from my grandfather who was Jennings, um, and that I, was that was where the name came from. Got it. Interesting. Well, just know so much about uh, me. A tiny little bit of your ancestors are very disappointed. I think all my ancestors are probably disappointed, Dan. <laughs> I think I think well, that's a safe assumption. Th- those ones in particular are disappointed r- recently. Oh uh, well. You know, they're Irish, so what do they have to, you know, really <laughs> be so uppity about? I hear their rugby team beat England, uh, oh, and that. it was St. Patrick's Day, and Mark Hamill was there. So that that's that's my newest Irish gossip. Wow. Yeah. wow. That's pretty current. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty I'm sure up. that... I'm pretty sure I'm not Irish at all. Lucky you. 
<laughs> oh, this is a, a very slippery slope. We are heading down here tonight. Is there anyone else you want to offend? Well, we're just kind of... I don't think the Irish should actually be very offended by that. Here? It's a lot of work being related to Irish people. Not mm. as much work as being related to Scandinavians, from what I've heard. But mm. They just drink the hard liquor. At least with the Irish, you've got a more beer going on. Well, I think I think that's why people tune into the show is for the diversity. So, um, <laughs> you know, so so many different so many different viewpoints. <laughs> we really are the the pinnacle of of diversity. I do feel I kind of do feel a little bad when people talk about podcasting. Like all podcasts are just white dudes getting together to talk about yeah. dumb shit, and I'm like, that is kind I, of what like <laughs> like we are like the stereotypical like absolutely millennial podcast. Well, see, I don't think we pretend to talk about anything profound. I think right. we're a bit more honest with ourselves. True. That's what oh, no, I, I don't bad. think we take ourselves too seriously, which I, I like to no. think makes up for it. Right. Yeah, maybe if we were good, <laughs> you know, people would people would take us more seriously. Um, but anyway, I digress. Um, yeah. I have a question for you, too. Yeah. Do you do you mind if we do a little crossover event? Oh uh, yes, I love crossover events. And you're gonna this love like, this one, Dan. Is the, this like a uh, Defender League or whatever it's called? Yeah, uh, we're like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're, we're I'm like with that. You. We're like that one time Magnum PI met Murder She Wrote. We're this. This is Harlem <laughs> right, Globetrotters meet but, Gilligan's uh, Island. You know. It's it's so weird that Guardians of the Galaxy and all the others are gonna be in the same thing. That's a bridge too far if you <laughs> you should write an angry letter i keep telling you this you gotta you stop kevin feige before he makes too many bad decisions <laughs> and makes a gazillion dollars a zillion dollars so anyways our crossover event up for debate on this past week's episode we're in the middle of our of our march madness that we have badly named the dinner dynasty and we are doing <laughs> soup or salad is the theme, and so we're doing a bracket. I actually I have my paper bracket here because I'm an old man who still uses paper. So this is our yeah. paper bracket. On one side it's soup, eight soups, and on the other side is eight salads. Okay, uh -huh. don't don't worry about reading it. But at the end we're gonna come to one soup, one salad, and they're gonna face off, and we're gonna pick a winner, right? And so we spent an entire hour on this last week's episode talking through eight different soups and narrowing okay. it down to the final two. And somehow we were so incompetent that we could not get a tiebreaker to determine the best soup. We literally ended the episode having not figured out a best soup. Spoiler alert. So I okay. think I need your help. Because okay. Matt and I, we were a split decision. Everyone we've asked is a split decision. We cannot come up with a way to pick out of these, out of two goddamn soups. We can't pick one. Okay. So, I, you know, I pride myself on being an extremely opinionated person. Uh, so I, and you I'm know excited a lot about to help food, well, I would say. Sure. Thank you. Yes. So I, I think you're both very qualified to help out and I'm going to laugh so hard if you two can't decide because you're, you, someone's got to goddamn figure okay. this one out. So here we go. This was our final two. Okay. And I do recommend people go listen to the whole episode because it's not as bad as I'm making it sound. <laughs> it came down to these are Matt and I decided these were the two best soups on the planet. Okay. Minestrone. An Italian wedding. I um, <laughs> I'm not sure. Like I know the 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 difference, or like I don't think I can describe to you Whoa. what either of those soups are. Can you do a quick rundown of all the other soups? <laughs> so so, <laughs> so here, just so I calibrate my expectations. Here. Oh, lower them. Here are all the soups we didn't choose: French onion, New England clam chowder, chicken noodle tomato, broccoli cheddar, and ramen. Oh, my God. <laughs> there were, are three better soups in that list than either of the two you listed. I, I the reason why I think people are having such a hard time choosing between these two is because they're two mediocre options. Okay, well, I, don't, I wouldn't go that far. I would go that far. They're not. You're counting ramen as soup, and you would rather have minestrone soup? Yes, minestrone is better than ramen. Yes, boom, I went there. Good minestrone. This is, you know, 
New England, clam chowder, none of that Manhattan bullshit. I, again, what about stews? What about like beef stew? No, well, we thought mm. like chili, and we ended up keeping them. Keep it. We kept it simple. I will say, when it comes to clam chowder, again, not to spoil the episode, but Matt's argument was that something that thick can't be considered soup. And oh, so it was just disqualified, even though it was in the bracket. S- sort of. It was sort of disqualified. That's ridiculous. Yeah. It, it, it things got very out of control. Need some more diversity on these panels. That, People well, some fresh ideas. Well, the problem is Matt and I agree on everything. This is the one. Literally, we breeze through all the other soups, and then we got we the final two and couldn't like, decide. Ceviche on there. We could some, only like, choose weird eight. ass soups. We, oh, no, no, no. God. We kept it very simple. Wait till you. You should see the salad list. It's dead simple. Okay. So all right, well, I, I have my answer, but I'll let Colby speak. Minestrone or Italian? Do you need me to define these soups? Can you like, tell me about sure. them or something? <laughs> yes, I can. I would th- look, Colby. I talked for an hour about it last week. I'm happy to go on about minestrone because um, minestrone is is a personal favorite of mine. It, minestrone is traditionally a uh, it's an Italian soup, and it is uh, made with vegetables, often with pasta or rice. Now you can make a vegetarian version, you can make a meat version. The great thing about minestrone is it's a diverse soup. You can make it in a lot of different ways and still call it minestrone. It's kind of flexible in that way. Common ingredients, beans, onion, celery, carrots, tomatoes. Um, I have a recipe I make. It's a chicken stock base. You put in some uh, pureed tomatoes, some diced tomatoes, and then a whole ton of veggies, beans, and some pasta. And it's, it's, a, it's a very thick soup. Uh, in terms of ingredients, it's got a lot of ingredients. It, it's it's approaching that stew territory where broth is kind of secondary to the ingredients. So that's that's minestrone. Italian wedding is kind of a spin on a chicken noodle. It's usually a clear broth, kind of a chicken base. Um, the the big distinguishing feature is the heavy leafy greens. You use like a kale or a spinach, um, and then the meat is usually a, like a meatball or a meatloaf type type uh, of meat in there, and then you throw in a few other vegetables. Um, that's, that, that's, it's usually a greasier soup because you're using the, the, the meatball, uh, as your, as your meat within the soup. So that's an Italian wedding soup. Yeah. That doesn't sound that appealing, honestly. I'm, okay. I guess, I guess I'm going to pick minestrone, but honestly, I'm not qualified oh, to make Lord. this decision. God, I like, don't we, know. We, we, I guess I, I guess so I'm bad. not that big on soups. No, like, it's I don't not you, Colby. Soup. Everyone we talk to doesn't know what either of these soups are. It's not you. I've texted like 10 people. Nobody oh. can tell me. So it's not that they couldn't decide between the two. No, is some couldn't. They... Or no, so... well, the, the problem is because we keep asking more people because I'll ask somebody and they'll say Italian wedding and then Matt will ask somebody and they'll say minestrone. Like we can't get a majority. <laughs> we keep tying back up. I see. Well, this isn't going to help because I would definitely pick Italian wedding. But I oh. take issue. I take issue with your whole... Your whole bracket. Yeah, uh, put just, it this put it this way. If, if chicken noodle beat Italian wedding in the first round, so it, it was it was just it was out of it was so out of control. Then why? Just, why you know what? It? Chicken noodle is a classic soup, but chicken it's boring. Noodle. It's boring. <sighs> there are so many varieties of chicken noodle, though. But most so of them, good. it's you're, primarily. I feel like you need to define what you're measuring these soups on. But if you're talking about cultural impact. I think uh, chicken noodle soup's way up there. Sure, but and then we... similarly, is this like just standalone soup? Because a simple tomato soup is one of the best things to put with anything else, but is a terrible thing to have on its own. We actually explicitly addressed that because we said okay. that tomato soup on its own is extremely boring, but great. And we explicitly said it's got to stand on its own. You cannot has to stand on its own. Has to stand on its own because we, we that's French <laughs> onion kind of had that going for it. Where it's French like French onion, another yeah. one that I would put above either. Do you, of them. Do you know? I had to confess, I've never had French onion. I've never had really this, ever, it, this was a you, giant disaster. I cannot express how much of a disaster this was. And you voted against it? You didn't? Uh. I'd like to thank Zero Degrees in our Twitch chat room, uh, who says they can't decide, but they learned a lot about soup. So, you know, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> it was really about the friends we made along the way. Yes. It's not about... I will say, for the salad portion that we're going to tape this week, I am making up... We are going to score them, probably That's on something good. like appearance, taste... You know, things of that. And we will, like, actually score them. We won't just, like, arbitrarily decide. That's good. But I'm... I'm I, so we came to no conclusion here. It's another... Yet another split decision. <laughs> and somehow I have to come up with another tiebreaker between now and Thursday. Wow. An outstanding use of everybody's time. 
you, know, you can just do it by Google search result hits. That's pretty good. I, on pa- in pass brackets, I've just rolled a d twenty, but I figured that was kind of <laughs> that was kind of lame because that's a little too chancy. Yeah, that's anticlimactic. Yeah, you could roll a d twenty into the soups. And no, then... here's what you do: do a Google uh, trend search, and whichever one has the higher trend wins, because that means that more people presumably are interested in it. That's true. But I wonder, like, you think the search volume is even enough to... Absolutely. People, imagine having people Google how to make this stuff. The, all, although the problem is going to be if I search Italian wedding. Soup. Italian wedding soup. soup. Google knows. Google knows. But then I'll do my minestrone soup. I'll put up a chart here on the screen for the folks at home. Do you want to guess which it is? Uh, I'm going to guess minestrone soup. It is minestrone by a healthy margin. And I, I think if you were to do a uh, representative population sampling, you would find out that most people would say that. That's I like my it. guess. Well, I was rooting for minestrone anyway, so this is great. I'm going to use this. <laughs> Perfect. It's, uh, it's, it's an unbiased source that I am picking because I am biased. Right. That's, you know, that's the ultimate kind of bias. Speaking of bias... Yes, Dan. Come on. Finish your thought. Uh, no, I was gonna I was, let you have it. You set it up. Hoping, look, look, Dan. You don't set up the pitch and then let me hit it out of the park. Go for the home run. Called teeing it up. Yeah, to yourself, man. Be selfish. He was Own going it. for the assist. Right. Speaking of selfish, what did I say? No, I don't even <laughs> remember what I said anymore. <laughs> Speaking of biased, let's yes. talk about psychological warfare. Yes. I still don't know what. I didn't even read this story. Well, yeah, what, what story what are, you are you talking about? The Cambridge, Cambridge Analytica. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah. not got it. you got it. Not just a, a company that sounds like an evil villain from a sci-fi movie. <laughs> uh, Cambridge Analytica. You may have heard about this in the news uh, a lot this week. Here's are they the even sh- based in Cambridge? Either of them? Either Cambridges? I, uh, I don't think so. They, but they work with Cambridge, I think. But I don't think they're based there. Um, all right, so I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna try and do a patented don't panic breakdown on what happened with this. Okay. okay? <sighs> it started uh, back in 2015. A Cambridge University professor, Professor Kogan, uh, and his company Global Science Research created a Facebook app called This Is Your Digital Life and requested Global Science Research, another super villain yeah, sounding, very company. legitimate sounding, for sure. They uh, requested access from 270,000 people, some of whom were actually hired through Mechanical Turk, for information about users and their friends. Now, because of its friends of friends and all this, it actually ended up being about 50 million users who were involved in this data collection. The app collected info such as the city they set on their profile, content they liked, limited information about their friends and privacy settings. Now, uh, back in 2015, Facebook actually shut down the Friends API that allowed you to share Friends data if the Friends had a privacy setting. So they only kind of collected the data within that time. But then Kogan passed that information to a third party, SCL, which is a Strategic Communications Laboratories, also legitimate sounding, which is just <laughs> another name for Cambridge Analytica. Um, Facebook learned of the violation in 2015, removed the app, and asked Kogan and SCL to certify the data had been destroyed. They did. Uh, however, they found out later that Kogan had taken the data from the app, given it to SCL, um, and that it had not been destroyed and that Cambridge Analytica had been using it, um, to do projects like political ads and the like. Um, Facebook found this out. They suspended, uh, strategic communications libraries, Cambridge Analytica, Kogan, um, and Cambridge Analytica now says they have deleted all the data. Um, and have agreed to let a forensics firm hired by Facebook do an audit of Cambridge Analytica. Um, Facebook stock has fell uh, nearly 7% today uh, based on this revelation as well. This, this was the uh, Cambridge Analytica was the firm the Trump campaign hired uh, during the election to target uh, online social uh, marketing and advertising. Yeah, so... I think that Facebook, if I were a Facebook shareholder, Facebook only made one mistake here, uh, and I, I don't think you pointed this out, is that they, well, you did. When they told Cambridge Analytica to delete the data, uh, that was in 2015. Uh, 
And I think that that was their mistake as Facebook the business was not just suspending them right then because mm-hmm. uh, they did violate the terms of service, right? Oh, uh, absolutely. If you're going, however, if you're going to, and they got rid of that API, right? So that's been gone for a couple of years. But they do allow researchers access to board data. Uh, and there's no way to allow that. And, you know, there's no, you can't enforce how, if that it's used academically, right? Uh, so the only thing you can do is have these after the fact uh, punishments for messing up, which they didn't really have because they just let those people buy. So I think that was a real mistake. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of other hot takes on this, which I think are also really interesting, but aren't really related to this problem at all. Such as, like, you know, is this okay? Like, is it okay to Facebook has this information and give it to people? It's like, well, that's how Facebook makes money. <laughs> so, you know, we can argue whether Facebook's business model is, uh, you know, humane, moral, uh, but that's not specific to this thing. That's, you know, Cambridge Analytica is, you know, Facebook does just as many things with your data to try to figure out what ads to show you. Yeah, uh, I think... And, of... and what's the difference between a political ad and uh, an ad for Adidas sneakers? Nothing. A lot. Nothing. Legally, a lot. L- yes. Legally. Yes. But I... But, like... Get, get rid of legal and replace it with moral. What is the moral difference between using the data that we have gotten from you that you have kind of implicitly given us permission to have, but we try not to make, you know, that super apparent because that's our business for making you give a company money that you wouldn't have otherwise given them or making you vote for a candidate that you wouldn't have otherwise voted for. What is the moral difference? I am not a guy you should be asking morality. Nothing uh, is my, my <laughs> No, I no, so I do. I think if you want, if we want to say that, like this whole internet privacy thing and lack thereof has gone too far. These companies know too much about us, and that that power is too great of a power for someone to have. I think that's a conversation worth having. But to say, oh, this is like Facebook is evil, and I can't believe they would do this. Like, th- how could you think that they weren't doing this? I think I I agree fundamentally on the premise. I agree. Okay, is there a big difference? Between, I I want I would take it a step back in the process and say the issue isn't necessarily what the ad is about. It's the fact that there are such tight laws, especially in the EU, um, around what you can and cannot do with a user's data. Um, that the issue for me isn't what they did with the data. I don't care if they used it to sell shoes or sell political ads. I have an issue with just how Facebook and Cambridge Analytica treated the data and how they responded to the data sharing issues, because you're right. Facebook's business is sharing data, but there are legal and illegal ways and morally and, e- and unmoral ways to do so. Yes, and but in this case, they definitely did it wrong. You gave Cambridge Analytica or their shell company permission to get this data from you. It was no. not acquired illegally. Wasn't it like, did you though? Like didn't, wasn't the whole thing with that the weird API was that like you could get like friend data of people? So like you gave people you gave someone gave them. I believe that even at the time, if you did, you know, OAuth to use that API, the little Facebook thing would show you like by signing into this app, you agree to give them your name, your email address, all of your likes, and your your friends' public information. Well. I think part of the reason they don't use that API anymore is because, yes, were their asses covered legally? Sure, I think they realized that that was a bad decision for for their users. But but yes. for me, it's it's not even necess- even that sucks. But even that is like okay, I get why they. the The problem is that uh, the, this prof- this professor uh, lied, lied, and, yeah. and said he was doing one thing with the data uh, when he was actually doing something else. That's the big issue. But and you it's, can't and, be a platform and prevent people from lying. You can't ever know about these things a priori. Well, and that's the point I was going to get to, which is, so how much is Facebook at fault for this? 
I mean, I guess their fault was just not doing something about it sooner or not certifying that the data had been deleted. I guess it was more in how they responded. The actual action, I'm sure shit like this happens all the time. It would not surprise me if this is is a oh, relatively yeah. common occurrence. Listen, as someone who's worked at companies that have APIs, everyone agrees to the terms of service, right? But people still break it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's nothing preventing you from breaking the terms of the service except the threat of what would happen to you if you did. And I think that the problem was that Facebook's threat was not big enough. Yep. Yeah. And I, I think I think this was the, you know, it's it's always the case with, with a lot of things in life where it's the, the one example, right? We're going to make a case out of you. It's, it's always the, this just happens because it's about the election and because it's about the president and because it's about you know, the, these million secret millionaire donors and all this sketchy stuff. I think that's why this one blew up versus probably a bunch of cases where this happened. Mm-hmm. Kind of a perfect mm-hmm. storm of shit that has happened. And I'm glad it did because this is messed up. But to, I think you're right. I mean, to say that this is unusual is, is a bit of a surprise. I hope this this prompts people to, to really start thinking about how this sort of stuff is used. So what would you like to see change, Sean? Like what, what steps, concrete steps would you like to see taken? I, hmm, that is a really good question. I think, I, again, I don't necessarily have a problem about this data being used for non-political purposes, but I do have an issue, and it's terrifying to think about in the grand abstract of how scientific and data-driven elections have become in this country, where you can micro-target, you know, 10,000 people out of a country of 400 million and swing an election one way or the other. I mean, it's kind of mm-hmm. crazy when you when you dig into what they were able to do with this Facebook data and predict with stunning mm-hmm. accuracy who you would vote for and whether or not you would vote. Mm-hmm. That's kind of messed up. So I think there needs to be more. That's why I want more accountability for political advertising and who is paying for it and where is that data coming from. I think they need to tighten really all social advertising and being able to, in some of the metrics by which they're targeting people. And, you know, I'm creeped out by features like Facebook advertising has where, oh yeah, if I, if I want to advertise to people like Colby and Dan, I just tell Facebook, yeah, find me people like Colby and Dan. And then they just find me people like Colby and Dan using all sorts of crazy metrics that like, that's messed up. That's just, that's weird to me. I kind of, they, they just have to be careful about what metrics they're choosing that, that start to become that invasion of privacy. But why would Facebook want to be careful about that? Um, I think until a threat until threat from either the market, shareholders, or the government tells them to. Otherwise, uh-huh. you're right; they won't. They have no intrinsic reason to do it. Companies have no morality. It's 2018, so that's right. Uh, I hate to break Don't it. Don't anthropomorphize the lawnmower. What? <laughs> I've not yes. heard that one before. <laughs> this is uh, from a famous. Uh, computer programmer talk about uh, when Oracle acquired Sun Microsystems. Uh, and this guy was talking about how uh, so there used to be a, an operating system that Sun made called Solaris and then mm-hmm. when Oracle bought it they just kind of shut it down and all the nerds were really sad about it. Uh, and so this guy's giving this talk about the history of Solaris. He's like, and then Oracle bought us and shut us down and everyone was asking why and I would ask them, and like none of the Oracle people had an answer, and that's when I learned not to anthropomorphize lawnmower. Oracle doesn't doesn't care about open Solaris. Solaris. Oracle can't care. All it cares about is making money. Yep. You can't even ask Oracle that question because it's like, wait, is open Solaris something that makes money? And you're like, uh, no. Like, so wait, what do you? Why why are we having this conversation? Right. Same thing with Facebook. You can't ask Facebook about the morality you can't ask facebook the construct about the morality of doing this kind of data collection they it doesn't have empathy it doesn't have feelings it doesn't have morality it's a it machine just makes money is it yep it's a machine designed to make money all companies are machines designed to make money it's just i wish i was a machine which, designed to make money well <laughs> you you you're you're you aren't no i'm a cog in the machine you sometimes you play a cog in the machine from nine to five. You Dan, aren't I'm, I'm a cog o- in the machine. You do have feelings in it. But Dan, when are you gonna read? I'm a cog in Facebook's machine. I'm 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 a cog in the machine twenty four hours a day, man. You never leave it. But you're choosing to do that. It's not an intrinsic part of yourself. We're getting oh, me really wrong. philosophical here. I, I love being a cog in the machine. Hmm? It's done well for me so far. <laughs> You've been a cog since you were sixteen years old. I've been a cog since I was born. Please, I'm a child of the '90s. Are you kidding me? Uh, 
<laughs> yeah. It's pretty weird. The I think I think I feel like one of you mentioned this, but like the I think it was you, Sean, the the like a application of this big data like statistical even like moving beyond statistical, right? Like like more people than not are probably on Facebook, right? So like having that much information is you're moving like way beyond the the political systems that we we that were designed 200 years ago when like they probably didn't even know how many people lived in in a town or city, mm-hmm. right? Like with any real accuracy. So it's like this like pot jumble of like sort of hacks and like uh uh you know ways to get information very slowly across the country and 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 figure out what everybody wanted to do um and like you know the the scales are you know with the electoral college and whatnot like the scales are tipped one way or the other and the way like uh congressional districts work like you can like change change these things in 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 fascinating ways or or terrifying ways depending on on your perspective um and then if you can like understand if like now that we have this ability to like pot or not us but like the the royal us like some entities have the ability to know uh close to you know approaching everything about like the actual people uh you you see the the cracks in the this the like statistical cracks in the system and and they're exploited like time and time again it's pretty pretty clear now i i I mean you 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 just imagine a system where fundamentally i've got so much data i know colby's gonna vote for my candidate so i'm not gonna spend a dime on him but i have to convince dan so i buy 20 dollars worth of facebook ads and it's changed his mind i mean it's it's crazy to think about but you know, maybe maybe it's an oversimplification, but but that's the direction we're heading, and and someone has to do something about it. So, but can anyone do anything about it? Yes. What what could they do? Uh, a uh, spitballing, but uh, I think you make political ads more obvious. They're political ads, and who paid for them? Uh huh. I think you. Um. So again, but the problem isn't with the ads themselves. I think even online ads, it's required to say who paid for them, right? That's already true. The 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 real well, question was how did I see this ad? Is is that well, what that you're too. asking? Well, that as well. I mean, I think I don't know. I know the rules are. I'm not an expert. I know the rules are slightly different for social ads because of how they're categorized. There's like all kinds of weird rules about what you don't do and don't have to do. Uh, uh-huh. But I agree, also, Dan. That is very important. How was I targeted? Um, and I think, how do you prioritize ads in, in something like a news feed, right? You know, is that the first thing you see? Is it the last thing you see? Is it how many of them are, should someone be allowed to see 100 of them in a week? You know, there's just, nobody knows the answer to these But things. again, that falls that falls into the lawnmower category. Like, yeah. we, we can't change that intrinsically without changing the systems around it. True. True. I agree with that. I think we just got to get rid of Facebook completely. Okay, it sucks. so uh, well, uh, that's and that's what I'm getting at. Is I feel like that's where a lot of these no, things look, are going. it's fundamentally broke. And look, damn, we're we're we're, we're patching holes in a, in a leaky dam. You know, I, so, uh, I here's get my that. here's my crazy Dan thought. Right? Love what him. if what if all of this is irreversible? Which I think it is. Right? What happens then? What happens when the reality is that advertising, political or otherwise, is only going to get more highly targeted? And someone's going to be able to say, like, hey, Colby, I saw that you were, uh, you know, researching the other day uh, the tax code in your local municipality. And my name's uh, John Smith. I'm running for, you know, city council. And I, uh, you know, vow to take a look at this tax code. Or here's my, my plan that affects this aspect of what you're looking up. Uh, is that good? Is that bad? I think that's probably a more naive, you know, example. But if you're going to enable things like that, then that you can't also just, you know, discount the bad things that people are going to do with it. Well, first of all, Dan, I think you know, and like disingenuous TV ads always like, did you know that John Smith murdered a baby? 
And well, it's if, a black and white grainy picture I mean, of him looking upset. I mean, if he did murder a baby, you know, you kind of have to, it's okay, you know, they do check what well, you, you well, can't make up stuff in those ads. Right? Like, can't, I don't know. I've seen some really shady shit in those TV I don't, ads. Uh, you'd be surprised. No, I think, first of all, Dan, I think you know the answer is Super Train. <laughs> obviously that's one hashtag super train yes uh yeah i'm, I'm hip i'm hip with what the kids are listening yeah, the, to <laughs> the super train generation is obviously going to solve all these problems for but. sure no look I, I would go i'm gonna play devil's advocate here and i'm gonna say maybe we turn it around without having to do anything i mean a, a true democracy we'd all vote on every issue right we have a representative democracy okay. maybe it gets to the point where it is so highly targeted that a candidate running for your district or your state has to tailor their message to your individual opinions and needs. And it does create a more informed candidate and a more informed electorate because they do know more knowledge about what each and every person they represent does. Now that's a bit of a rosy view. I don't think it really works that way, but I think, you know, why, why you won't have to go to a, a, billionaire to finance your campaign anymore because you can spend a hundred thousand dollars on on social media targeting right. and actually reach the people who are voting for you um and it creates more even playing field for candidates mm. well i think i think like i think you touched on the problem or the problem as i see it if we're assuming that this can't be undone right like this is this is here to stay the facebook's of the world um i feel like part of the problem is that for various like legal and geographical reasons like certain parts of the population are have a disproportionate amount of voting power compared to everyone else mm -hmm. right and so by because you can and and now with with this this sort of like uh targeting you can you can identify them and you can exploit like a a small amount of people, right? Like you can target a small amount of people and because they're, they have this, uh, outsized power compared to the, their, uh, fellow citizens. Uh, you can, you, you can have like sort of a, a larger effect on, on the outcome. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, by, by, by changing the minds of a small number of people. So perhaps that's the problem that those, those people have. Yes. I agree with that. I think in the internet age, uh, those things actually become very dangerous. Yeah, right. Like, I don't know. Facebook's pretty egalitarian in it, in its way. Like, it it doesn't care who you are, or where you live, or whatever. That's right. Um, you stick your hand in the lawnmower. It doesn't matter where you are, who you are. <laughs> it's gonna cut your hand off. Exactly. That's how hands work. That's how lawnmowers work. Yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Indeed. Well, I'll, uh, you know, I'll put a, a period on this discussion just by saying I think this is just a drop in the bucket of our of larger issues with with our democracy and our voting system that's going on now. When you start talking about things like disenfranchising millions of voters, gerrymandering, yeah. corruption of the 2020 census, it's it just goes on and on. I think this is this is just one small part. Of, of, of a bigger issue that we are vastly uh, uh, unqualified to solve. Totally. Um, but it won't stop from us from talking about it. But we are going to pivot and move on because we do have some other news here in the rundown, gentlemen. What's, what's, what's hot? What's hot that we can, we can chit-chat about? Uh, I feel like the next hot thing we have to talk about is uh, Uber. Uber. Our, our, yes. our second favorite source of uh technology technological moral quandaries <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh boy they should they should put that right in their mission statement uh oh, don't yeah, get me started uber, on uber's uh mission statement and uh uber, values oh my god <laughs> uh uber got into a bit of a, a bit of a whoopsie do by killing a woman uh not that we should <laughs> i really shouldn't i really shouldn't ma make fun of that hang on let me back this up let me try this again that wasn't very nice edit it out Sad news. I don't edit this show. Are you kidding me? Uh, sad news out of Tempe, Arizona. Uh, an Uber self-driving vehicle struck and killed a woman uh, in a crosswalk. The, cross the crash occurred near Mill Avenue and Curry Road early Monday morning. Uh, police confirmed the Uber vehicle was headed northbound when a woman walking across the street was struck. She was taken to the hospital, but later died from injuries. Uh, she has been identified as a 49-year-old woman. Uber confirms that the vehicle was driving in autonomous mode with a safety driver behind the wheel during the crash. Uh, this would make it 
one of the first known crashes uh, with a victim involving a self-driving car. The female safety driver was the only person inside the vehicle at the time of the crash and did not sustain any injuries, an Uber spokesperson said. The company declined to disclose any additional details. The vehicle is still in police possession, which means Uber has not had a chance to look at the data that will no doubt prove useful to investigators when determining the cause of the crash. Yeah. Who's ultimately liable in these situations? Do we know? I don't. Is it don't. safety driver for not taking over? Uh, I guess it... we would need to know more details. You it... know what I mean? I mean, it's it because from what I read, the person was not in a crosswalk. And if this person just sort of walked out in front of the vehicle, you know, I, it's just too early to know. I mean, in an accident uh. like this, it could easily be the pedestrian's fault or it could easily be the car's fault, you know? Mm -hmm. I I think we don't I I saw one early report that said the vehicle didn't slow down at all um, which A I don't know if that report is true and B if it's not then that would indicate to me perhaps she sort of walked out from behind something right into the path of the vehicle Um, I I know accidents that have occurred that way on tight streets with parking along both sides of the street where someone walks out between two vehicles I mean I could easily see an accident like that happening in a situation like this Yep. Yeah, so this is another interesting thing. Like, I think I've been guilty of this too, getting really excited about these self driving cars uh, and, you know, wanting to see them everywhere, coupled with Uber doing things like uh, just not uh getting permission from california for a long time to be running these uh self-driving car experiments being notified by the attorney general of california and not stopping or asking for the permits like i do think that uh we as like technology technologists and people who work in this industry have now just crossed this threshold of uh, being involved in some really important high stakes things, but not having the context awareness to know how to treat them. And Mm -hmm. like we, we uh, have said in software for a long time, like, you know, if the website's down, nobody dies. And that's been true for a long time. Uh, but, you know, it's probably not a website you're working on, but there's definitely software now that you can work on that isn't like MRI machines, you know, or SCUD missiles. And if something bad happens or you don't take the proper precautions or you don't approach it with like a mindful moral center, yeah, bad things can happen. I don't think we're very good about talking I don't think we're very good about admitting to that, actually. Mm. Yeah. I'm interested to learn more about, like, well, I hope, I I mean, at least I hope, I maybe it doesn't behoove them to, to release this information. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how much will be. Oh, when there are car like, crashes, you have publicly. to buy NTSB. Do they? Oh, well, that's good. And so, so, like, I'm interested to learn, like, what happened, right? Because, like, you know, like, yeah. yes, this woman wasn't walking in a crosswalk, but like in the People ideal. don't walk in crosswalks all the time. Right, they live right. In, New York. in, in yep. the ideal scenario, like. I don't think I, I've walked I mean, in a crosswalk all day. Right. And I, so I feel like the imagining a world where all everything is autonomous cars and like if you have to cross walk in the crosswalk or you die, like, I don't know that that doesn't seem like a very a very good outcome of all this right like (laughs) so like i i don't know in 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 my most idealistic thoughts about this future like this is a thing that that wouldn't happen at all like no matter how like dumb somebody was being um so I, i guess i'm interested to to learn like what more about what actually happened yeah i i i think I just personally think it's foolish to think that a self-driving car would never get into an accident. I just think there there are just so many factors that can't be accounted for. I think the idea is to reduce them, not eliminate them. And and just for my own curiosity, I was Googling. I I found just quickly, I found this is from 2013, so it's a little dated. 
2013, 4,735 pedestrians were killed by automobiles. Um, self-driving cars have been on the road, what, two years maybe, we'll say, and this is the, the first reported accident. So, you know, I, I think that the, it's not insane that this was going to happen eventually. You know, I, I, I'm with you, Colby. I, I hope that it's investigated fully. We learned what, what's really gone on. I mean, we I think even on this show, we've talked about accidents involving Tesla autopilot, which isn't quite the same, but, um, you know, that's it should be investigated and, and hopefully they come to a conclusion. And if it's, if it's Uber's fault, it's Uber's fault and hopefully they address it properly. And if it's, you know, something that was avoidable, that's just part of life and being on the road. Driving is dangerous whether you're doing it or a computer's doing it. Do you... So, sad story. Uh, we'll keep you updated as we learn more from that one. Uh, let's check the clock. Uh, we can do one more one more quick story okay. before we move on to picks. Is there any fun stories in here? We've had some really heavy stories. Yeah, we have. We can do Secret Satellites, Netflix gamification. <laughs> Secret Satellites doesn't sound very uh, fun either. But if, if you if you think it's interesting, we should talk about it. How about this, Dan? Stop me if it gets boring. Okay. All right. Uh, there's a company called Swarm uh, Swarm Technologies, not the yeah. people behind the Swarm app, unrelated. And, and uh, again, a great non-suspicious company name. Swarm. No, so, again, sounds legit. And let me tell you what they're doing, Dan. Uh, they want to launch a bunch of tiny satellite called Space Bees uh, to create a space-based Internet of Things network. Uh-huh. Uh, what would and, this Internet of Things network do while it's in space? Does it do they elucidate it's, that? It's misleading. As far as I understand it, the idea is that it's really just small satellites in very low orbit that would connect to the to the ground. Um not to be used like for your ID as the internet, but for thing like devices and like trucks and plane and like kind of mechan you know, industrial shit to connect to the internet, but via satellites in low orbit. But they're very small satellites. Extremely small. So small, in fact, that when they asked the uh, FCC to let them launch them into space, they said, in, uh, you know what, they're too small. It's kind of like space debris where they're going to end up crashing into shit and we can't track them and it's a bad idea. You can't put them into space. Don't do it. Swarm Technologies went ahead and said, eh, you know what, what if we just did it anyway? They actually snuck up four satellites on uh, the Indian Polar Satellite Launch Vehicle on January 12th. Uh, and didn't tell the U.S. government about it. This is the first recorded case in history of satellites being launched into space without the U.S. government's approval. Well, that's for a U.S. company. They they don't control what other companies do, but technically this falls under their jurisdiction, mm -hmm. um, despite having been denied. It is, uh, they're tiny. They're about four inches in all three dimensions. And the FCC was concerned that it would make the satellites hard to track with the Space Surveillance Network. Again, we're just terrifying names today. <laughs> an array of ground-based radar operated by the U.S. military that tracks all space debris in orbit. So, this is, again, another example. Someone being like, you know what? <clears throat> we really just need a minimum viable product. We really just have to just ship this thing. And once we get some user feedback, then we'll, you know, we'll know how to you know, move forward and it'll make more sense to the the government, like what we're trying to do, if we can just show them like that, that makes sense when you're talking about like, let's have a website that you can upload your runs to like, sure, that that's an okay strategy, but that strategy does not hold up when you're launching things into space. Yep. Yep. No, and it's apparently quite, Quite difficult because the government doesn't know how to handle stuff like this. You know, there's debate between the FCC and the FAA who has control over it. Um, the FCC <coughs> controls the satellite part, but the FAA controls the space part. Uh, and it's it's apparently quite convoluted. This has never happened before. No, apparently not. Or at least not that they've ever recorded. So maybe there are secret satellites up there we don't, you know, the government doesn't know about. But so far, this is the stealth satellites. This is the, fir the first time a U.S. private company launched unlicensed satellites into orbit. So, Weird. yeah, you can't just you can't just do that. Damn. Well, there goes our idea for the coffee and beer satellite network. <sighs> I, you know, I, I got the model rocket all set up in my backyard <laughs> and, you know, it's about this big. I don't see one hell of a model rocket. Oh, my God. It's, no, but it's a micro, micro, micro satellite, you know, uh, so 
You don't need a big rocket. That's the beauty. You ever hear about the the, uh, term escape velocity, Sean? (laughs) Dan, don't, don't, don't put a damper on my dream. Okay. Sorry. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I wonder what is the, what is the, how much money would it cost to get anything into orbit? Like, does it, I don't care how many guys, like, what is the minimum cost to get a thing into orbit? I would be curious. That is a good question. I know, I know when, because the, I know when you want to go, if you as a person want to go up into space, it's like, at, I think now it's like $40 million. Yeah, but you're not going into orbit either. Right, you're so I'm thinking like it, it would be less. You're the weightless part of the upper atmosphere. Oh, no, it's like $40 million to go to the, because Russia will fly to the space station. Oh, So okay. you go all the way up, that's $40 million. So I'm thinking it's going to be less than that. I don't, yes. what, what if I, Less than that, how, but that's just, much? that's just one person. Right? Like, Russia's trying to recoup the cost on their launch pads and all those rockets. I feel like uh, the total cost is more than $40 million. Because they put multiple people on these trips, too. Okay, Dan. I just Googled, how much would it cost to launch a satellite into space? Would you like to know the answer? Yes, please. Thanks to the fine folks at How Stuff Works. Uh, Apparently... It would cost. Uh, it depends on how big the thing you want to launch is. So they say smallest thing on there. A small launch vehicle such as the Pegasus XL can lift about 976 pounds into low Earth orbit for about 13.5 million. It's about fourteen thousand dollars per pound. Now a heavy launch vehicle, you want to lift something about forty thousand pounds into low Earth orbit. Oh my god! That's about, that's about 165 million. But the cost comes down, so it's only about four thousand per pound. So it's more cost effective on a per pound basis. It's kind of that bulk. Is that like the Costco discount of rockets? Right. Interesting. So there you go. If you got a spare thirteen 14, million dollars lying around, well, fourteen thousand. You, I wonder. But what's the smallest rocket, basically, then that will make it into orbit? Could I just put something up? It would one pound. Would it just cost fifteen thousand dollars to launch a one pound thing into orbit? I feel like well, it would be a bit more. Probably, but that's again, that's what this, that's what Swarm Technologies did. Is they hopped on a, a rocket being launched from India that had right. a bunch of people's stuff on it, mm. um, and that's how they were able to sneak it on there. How did anyone find out about this? Do you know? Um, I don't, I have to have to look and see if the article says, I don't off the top of my head, um, how they found out. Cause it says here that, uh, India space agency didn't name the operator of the four satellites, uh, when it actually launched, but how they actually found out about it. Uh, your guess is as good as mine. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. Good job. Tech companies. Oh, you know what? I think it was just some... I think it was uh, IEEE Spectrum, which is uh, an organization. Um, They actually, I think, just it leaked to them from Swarm Technologies. I don't think the FCC actually found out. I think they found out when this after the story came out. So anyway, there you go. So good good on them launching secret stuff into space. Sounds legit. Uh, Alrighty. Uh, Before we move on to picks, I do want to make a quick comment uh, because this always bums me about the uh, comments on the live stream. Thanks, everybody who's been watching live. They're usually a bit delayed, so I didn't see this until it was too late, but I got to circle back. On the soups debate, we do finally have a deciding vote. (laughs) Thanks to to Facebook commenter Nancy Miller, who said uh, she prefers lobster bisque and clam chowder. Sadly, those aren't options, but she did say of the two minestrones. So we are now up one vote on minestrone. Could be the deciding vote. We'll see. Uh, But thanks for that comment. And to everybody who joined us um, throughout the show on the live stream on uh, Twitch and Facebook. Now, let's go ahead and jump into the picks. We got a couple things you can watch and maybe one thing you can drink. Uh, (laughs) I will go ahead and go first because I guess my name is here first unless I got a documentary for you folks to check out. Uh, you You guys ever heard of the Dana Carvey show? I've heard of it. I don't know anything about it. Yeah, it's pretty heavily forgotten, but what if I told you it launched the comedy careers of some of the greats over the last 10 years? A show that not only was hosted by Dana Carvey, of course, uh, but had Stephen Colbert, Steve Carell, Louis C.K., Robert Smigel, Robert Carlock, who helped uh, co-create 30 Rock and uh, and Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, uh, married to Tina Fey, um, and others. That's just the peak of it. Um, And it was a show that was on, on ABC... And 
a very weird show, very unusual. The history of it's very funny. And they made this documentary about the making of the show. It only lasted eight episodes, but it's got all of these people like Colbert and Carell. They're in the documentary. It's an hour and a half. It's on Hulu. It's a very funny documentary by itself, but you actually learn a lot. And it's just a very well put together. It's a good way to spend an hour and a half, uh, even if you've never heard of the Dana Carvey show. Um, It's an interesting sort of moment in TV history. So it's called Too Funny to Fail, and it's available now to stream on Hulu. So I'd recommend checking that I'm out. I'm excited about that. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty good. I've actually watched it twice. It was that good. Oh, wow. So um, enjoyable. Uh, Dan, you've got uh, yeah. another a bit of a different tone. Yes, but also a documentary. An Oscar-winning documentary. An Oscar-winning documentary. That's right. That's how I heard about it. Uh, so last week I was sick again. Uh, <clears throat> and during that, I had some time to watch some stuff on the TV. So I'd been in like a really documentary mood for like the past year or so. And I wanted to watch one of the new documentaries. And then I remembered that the one that actually won best documentary, the Oscar is on Netflix. So you can just watch it. It's a Netflix original called Icarus. And this is sort of in the genre of documentary films that starts as a documentary about something else but then literally as they're making it turns into a documentary about something completely different and in this case Icarus starts as a documentary about doping in sports in general and the filmmaker slash narrator slash main character uh, is doping himself to see if he can be a better amateur high-end amateur bicyclist by going to the uh basically the Tour de France of amateur bicycling two years in a row, one year with a a full year of doping. But in the process of doing that, meets this Russian guy who is part of the Russian anti-doping agency, but then it turns out is actually this person who helped Russia dope throughout the Olympics uh, since like the 2000s and before. And then he uh, blows the whistle and then Russia comes after him. It's, It's pretty dramatic. Uh, so it was really good. Uh, both halves of the documentary are super interesting. And it's free if you're paying for Netflix already. So check out Icarus on Netflix. Nice. I, I, I've been meaning to check that out. Maybe I actually will. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Uh, Colby, what, what, do you, what do you have for us? I'm low on picks, so I decided to pick <laughs> the beer that I'm drinking. Uh, <laughs> it's called Hobo Life from the Lord Hobo Brewing Company in in Woburn, Massachusetts. In Hobo, Massachusetts, yeah. <laughs> yes. It's very tasty. Uh it's it's like a it's a, a uh uh I'm just reading the can. A dry hopped Citra Session IPA. It tastes very good. Um I don't know if it's available near where you are, but if it is, it's Sadly. worth a try. <laughs> Lord Hobo is really good. Mm. Dan and I went there once. Oh. Yes. We went to whatever. I don't know if I assume that's not where they make the beer, but they have like a, ta- a tasting room in the greater Boston area. And we watched a weird sport. Yeah. Uh, Wakeboarding wake or something. Yes. Oh, neat. Very strange. <laughs> not in the uh, tasting room, but on the TV. Right. Correct. Yeah. Neat. That's 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 what I get. Yeah, I've had their. I haven't had. Uh, I haven't had Hobo Life, but I have had Steal This Can. Yes, which which is pretty good as well. Yes. Indeed, Hobo Life comes in a smaller can. Yes, yeah. So stock up as you drink through it. Very neat. All right, cool. Well, those are picks. The links to all those will be on the website, uh, so you can check them out. No need to remember where they are. Um. Guys, I think that's it. That's it. That's yes. all. That's it. That's all she wrote. Finished. That wraps us up this week. Thanks, uh, folks out there, for joining us. Uh, of course, our website, don'tpanic.io. It's the one-stop shop. The audio, the video, the pics are always going to be right there. Uh, and also links where you can subscribe to the show. Uh, any major podcast platforms, iTunes, Overcast, anywhere you get podcasts, we're probably there. And the video version on YouTube at youtube.com slash show. You guys have to check for me. I submitted us for Spotify podcasts, but they oh, never really? got back to me. So to, I might have to, uh, but I don't, I don't have a Spotify subscription, so I can't check. So <laughs> cause I'm, cause I'm cheap. So you'll have to tell me, 
because um, I just listen to the same music over and over, and I already illegally downloaded it from Kazaa a thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. So um, my, my LimeWire days. Uh, so please don't arrest me. So uh, so you can check us out there, and of course you can get in contact with us. You can follow us at Don't Panic Show on Twitter, and you can email us Show at gmail.com. We do this live Monday nights. I'm going to say 11.15 Eastern at uh, Facebook.com slash Don't Panic Show and on Twitch at Twitch.tv slash Don't Panic Show. Uh, check us out there. I will do a, uh, <laughs> I will do a uh, small plug for, of course, Up for Debate. We talked about plenty. UpforDebate.tv. Listen to the Soups episode. Get mad. Then listen to how we f- figure out how to resolve it on the Salads episode coming out later this week. And, of course, we'll taste uh, Game Nights, where we're playing Dungeons & Dragons at GameNights.tv. The edit for the next episode has been kicking my butt, so uh, it was supposed to come out this weekend. It will come out at some point this week. Uh, But that's why you should just subscribe, and then you'll get the new episode whenever it comes out, whenever I get to it. (laughs) Uh, And it's a lot of fun. The 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 last two we did are really fun where we interview for interns. So go check that out, and then you'll have plenty to listen to until we get another one up. So... Uh, that'll wrap it up there. So that does it for us. We will be back next week with more tech news and fun times here on the show. On behalf of Colby and Dan, I'm Sean. Thank you folks for joining us. Hope you had as much fun as we did. And we'll see you next time for more good times here on the Don't Panic Show. 